Shannon was sick. Last Friday was not fun. Yeah. We got our boosters on Thursday oh. and I was fine. Friday, Shannon was like, I don't feel so good. And then she was like, I need you to stop work. So I ended up working, but on my laptop with all three kids and Spencer called me. And like, while I answered the call, I'm like telling Beckett how to spell Halloween. And I was like, I'm sorry, man. That's some of the harder pair programming you have to do. <laughs> right. Yeah, but no, it's good to be back. I have a public service announcement that I've gotten just so sick, so nasty at Rocket League. And if you play Rocket League out there and want to play with me, let me know. <laughs> I'm playing nonstop Rocket League. I have felt the need in my heart to tell that I'm so sick. Can you play Rocket League <laughs> cross-platform? You can. I am a gold-ranked player. I play competitions every night. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I've had a glow up. Is that why you took the day off today? I took the day off today because I don't know. I just wanted to take the day off. Good for you. Or because I'm going to take it? all next week off too. And Thursday was all like a Rocket League. Yeah, all for Rocket League. <laughs> um, all next week, all Rocket League, all day long. I don't know. I just wanted to take the day off. And I went to the mall this morning. The mall? I don't have any long sleeve clothing anymore. I had to go buy some clothes. What was it like going to the mall in 2021? I mean, it's Arizona, man. What does that mean? This was an outdoor (laughs) mall, like a luxury mall. So it had all like, I I wanted to go to Adidas. That's all I wanted to go to is Adidas. And I went to Adidas at this other big mall here. And it was like a discount outlet store and there was nothing there. I just wanted to go to Adidas. And this was the only other shop in town. I've never seen a mask mandate in Arizona until these, all the stores require you to have a mask. It was fine. There, were, but I went like when it literally opened, so there's no people because I hey, get up so early. You went to it what, what eleven o'clock? No, it's ten. It opened at ten. No, I mean like you get up early. Oh like, no, I get up at five. Because I asked you what time your flight left. Like, it's super early. It's two in the afternoon. Here's the problem. So daylight savings time is on Sunday, right? Yep. Arizona has its own time zone, so I have no clue what time in Denver I'm actually landing. I'm assuming, because I was thinking in my head, like, is the time that the airline put on this arrival correct? It's correct in the time zone of the airport. That was some, like, date math in my head that I was like, wow, that would really suck to have to calculate all these weird rules. I'm pretty sure because I leave Memphis at 6 a.m., I get to Denver at 7.50, but it's a two and a half hour flight. Gotcha. The maths there. The maths. But yes, Rocket League is cross-platform. Why, you want to play, Jason? Oh my God, how did we veer off that far? No, but I, I don't... <laughs> well, we were talking about if I was going to play, play Rocket League all next week. Are you going to pray next week? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you went to an outdoor mall. That was different than what I was inquiring about. I was inquiring about an indoor mall. I went to an indoor mall last week. And... What was that like in 2021? It was like it normally is. I haven't been to an indoor Empty. mall in a while. No, well, no, it was, it was, well, yeah, basically kind of empty, but like it was, you know, it was a mall in 2021. So yeah, they're kind of empty, but there is a I mean, decent amount of people more than I expected. I think it's because there's like Lego land at that mall, which oh, I yep. really wanted to go inside of, but like I didn't because that was one of the ones where I was like children. I've been staying away from the children areas, but it's fine. 
I wasn't worried. Oh, I don't was concerned if you were worried if somebody oh. was like, oh, no, I was scared. <laughs> I was scared because we've returned this new normalcy where there are people in their little vendor shops in the middle of the stores, in the middle of the aisles. And they're like, hey, man, I see those shoes you're wearing. And I'm like, no, I didn't want to return to this normalcy. You get a, a case for your cell phone? <laughs> yeah, no, it was a sparkly one, actually. I bought the sweetest Nokia accessories from those little stands. Nice. At one point, I had, I guess, it was like a 50, 6150. I don't know what it was. It was one of those Nokias, like the taller ones. I had changed the faceplate. I had the number pad that would like change colors. I had an antenna replaced that was transparent and glue. It glowed, it glue. And then the battery also was modded. I mean, this dude's got his cell phone just dripped out. Dude, you can either look at it one of two ways. I was amazing in middle school, or there's a reason that I only had a few friends. You can <laughs> take that however you want. But when they ask when you're okay, but you're not really okay. Uh, <laughs> you're not okay without saying it. Yeah. My cell phone. <laughs> so I'm not going to be playing Rocket League all next week because Jason and I are going to be at RubyConf. Yay. Yeah, by the time this is out, we'll have completed RubyConf. Yes, I'm very excited. What are you most looking forward uh, to? What am I most looking forward to? Seeing you, seeing people, uh-huh. seeing friends like that I've made over the internet and never seen in person. Colin and I are like, I consider really good friends, but never seen him in person. Haven't seen you for two years. Consider us pretty good friends. All the people online. I don't like Chris, so I'm glad he's not coming. But <laughs> other than that, I'm excited for the talks. I'm excited to eat. I think actually when I think about like my, my list of like things that I'm like most excited for, it's like, I've never been to Denver. I'm excited to go to Denver. And I'm excited to eat good food in Denver with good friends. I'm excited for the lanyard. I haven't added a lanyard to my collection in like two years. I think I still have my lanyard collection. I might have tossed it out when I left North Carolina, but I still have my sticker collection. And I'm very excited to add to that. Yeah, it's going to be great. When we get back from RubyConf, we'll be having Go Rails Conf. Chris is coming down to Memphis. That Friday I get back. Living the dream. Did you realize you're staying at the same hotel? We did the... Uh, <laughs> the hackathon, the birds jumpstart and pay. Your casino story. Yeah. The, well, the place we ended up after the casino, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, did you know that ahead of time or did Brooke book it and then you found out? I found it on like Hotel Tonight. It was like way cheaper than anywhere else. So I was like <laughs> sold. When I saw it was that one, I was like done. It's a really tall hotel. The very top floor, there's a piece of glass busted out and no one will tell anyone why. Like journalists have called and they're like, yes, we're aware of it and like hang up the phone. So it's not I, need sketchy. To, Adam. I need you to find out while you're there what yeah. happened. This is your TikTok arch, actually, Chris. This is how you discover like a hidden room and you get famous on TikTok. There you go. Yeah. yeah. No more rails, just TikTok. Sold. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. The podcast. We'll yeah, be about Sweet spelunking influencer. and influencer <laughs> podcast. So, Jason, do we get to talk about Elixir this week? We can talk about Elixir. I didn't do any more research on it, so I'm going to try and remember from two months ago what I was really excited about. Very cool, <laughs> very cool. There's a lot of cool technologies we talk about, like over the wire HTML right now, Sunus Reflex, Hotwire, Livewire in Laravel. Of course, we can't not mention. Laravel. But I feel like LiveView is one of the first ones. Am I wrong in that? 
that's what Nate kind of pulled a lot of inspiration from when we were working on Stimulus Reflex. Like Phoenix has this history of building reliable socket connections, basically, like web socket connections. And if you look at Jose's story, I'm pretty sure Jose Flynn, the creator of Elixir, I'm pretty sure it was like he wanted to start getting into like concurrency with Ruby, maybe even specifically Rails, without it difficult. And Elixir was birthed. And I think it's like the same story for Phoenix. Chris McCord, the creator of Phoenix, was trying to do like, it was either something really WebSocket heavy or it was concurrency or both. And so like, they take this language and then they build this framework. And the story is really like, there's a blog post that's like, I can't remember, in million connections on one server for Elixir. I'll have to find it. So then they like, take all these things they've done and they build HTML over the wire with it. And it's fascinating. And so I just wanted to talk about it. I have no agenda. I mean, you were part of the people that built Simulus Reflex. We use Reflex at work. Hotwire's come out. Chris has done videos on Hotwire. Have you done much Hotwiring, Andrew? Not much. I'm an avid watcher of Chris's content though. So I see it there. I have not written any myself since it first came out. Yeah. I don't have a ton of Hot wiring experience. But I'm very fascinated. Oh, by hot, wa- hot wiring. Yeah, yeah. No, I can hot wire. Oh, God. I thought we were talking about the technology. Okay, sorry. Anyway, so like basically Elixir's always piqued my interest. Like I have three books behind me on it and I never like stick with it. There was some Hacker News article a while back. It might have been when Chris McCord joined Fly.io. He wrote an article and then it was on Hacker News. And I did the thing you don't do, right? I read the comments. There's like hundreds of comments about People praising Livewire, praising the HTML wire approach, or just completely shitting on all of it. I'm actually someone who likes JavaScript a lot, and I think React is like actually pretty good, but it's like kind of overkill for a lot of things. But one of the things like I kind of struggle with, not struggle with, I don't know, doing HTML over the wire, it works for like the 90 percentile. Or like maybe the other 10% isn't my problem. But like Ruby already gets a bad rap for performance. And so like trying to build like a real time exchanging this stuff, I don't know, it's always kind of felt weird to me, but it's not like a problem in Elixir. And so that's what I was curious about is why. And so basically, I don't understand the gen servers or anything like that in Elixir, but basically it's like this stateful WebSocket connection. And I think that's the key is that like it's stateful. And so when it renders a page, it like knows what has rendered and it sends back this change set. Or sorry, that's what getting ahead of myself. So like with reflex, you would say like data reflex, click, perform a reflex. And with Hotwire, I think it's like you're inside a frame, you submit an action, like you can tell the frame to different things. With reflex, before morph modes, what happens is like it uses a WebSocket connection, goes to the same like controller action that the page is on, re-renders the page, sends that HTML back over the wire, and then uses Morphdom to like swap out. And we use that at uh, Podia Networks. And then they introduce morph modes, which were like, hey, you don't have to re-render the whole page. You can like target a single element and replace its content. You can morph nothing. It was like, okay, that's cool. And with Hotwire... Maybe one of you can answer this for me. If we're actually talking about like turbo frames, it's not using WebSockets. It's actually using like 
standard HTTP for that, right? Yeah, all of it is. So if the frames are just like a feature. Imagine like an iframe. There's an ID on the iframe. So when you click a link, it makes a request like normal, but then it only grabs the same ID from that new page. Right. But you don't have to use that feature at all. And you still get the same like functionality with Hotwire. Because of like Turbo Drive. And the form submission stuff. Right. It's basically all the things about Turbo Links we were wanting forever. Okay. In Hotwire, when you do that, let's say you do a frame, is it still rendering on the server? All the HTML and just taking out or is it? Yeah, it renders the... So like it can know that I believe if it's in a frame, it does a render, but without the layout because it, it knows for sure it doesn't need that. But yeah, it still renders the whole view and then just grabs whatever it needs out of there. Okay. And I think like the key to all of the stimulus reflex and the hot wire, it's all stateless because it would be expensive to try and keep that state somewhere like with Ruby. And so this is where like the elixir, the live view thing is fascinating to me. And I'm, I could be just speaking so incorrectly here, but basically my understanding of it is you get a page, it stores this state in this like chin server, the socket connection. And when you perform an action, it goes to live view, goes to the Phoenix server and there's a corresponding action and based on like the state that changes, if you change like an instance variable or something like that, what it does is it only sends back the diff that's changed. And it's like this tokenized thing. So it's basically uh, what we would consider an array, I think. Uh, maybe they consider it an array or it's a tuple or something. Essentially, though, it's only what changed in the page. And it's these little tokens. And the JavaScript knows how to just go and replace all those things. And it's really just mind-boggling to me. And I find it so fascinating because that is such an optimization. That sounds like the dream. I don't know. I'm just fascinated by all of it. I just wanted to talk about it. Does that mean then it's got a ship with JavaScript client that can interpret those and apply the diff or whatever? And Yeah, I believe it's actually still maybe using Morphdom for that. I think it is too. Or it was the last I saw. But with Morphdom, like I'm used to using it and like giving it a whole HTML, like it just does it all for me. Where I think this is like... Yeah, it's like th- it doesn't have to calculate the diff. Right. Or if it is, it's a very tiny amount. So does it have to do a diff at some point server side then to generate the diff? Because like, does that mean that we could just kind of implement a version of that that renders pre on the server, the pre change with the old state, then apply the state changes and then render again, diff it and then send that back to the client. I wonder if that's what it's doing. It seems like it would be double rendering twice on the the server side would be slow-ish or something. But maybe it can do that in parallel and then diff afterwards. I feel like the only logical thing is that we need to try and get Chris McCord on remote Ruby and tell us how we can do this in Ruby. Yeah. And be like, come to Elixir. And then I will just follow him into the dark. Wherever you're taking me. Yeah, I'd definitely love to learn more of the internals of like how that actually works and and applies stuff because it seems pretty cool that they can do a lightweight thing like that. I think DHH's point was who cares? A little bit of HTML network is really not that big of a deal. And things don't really have to compress all this stuff. But 
I'm sure that it, it does make things snappier the less you've got to do, but you were trading it off with some extra JavaScript that's run client side. And is the case of all things that we have no idea what device we're running the JavaScript on. Could be a one max, could be like your old Nokia phone with some bling on it and maybe slow in some devices and fast than others. That's why I say like, when I made the comment, I think for the like, the average use case, what we've got works in Ruby. It's just very mentally interesting to me how they've solved this. But yeah, I like I was going back to the docs and it was, well, I lost it. But it was basically saying everything is stateful in live view. Anyway. Well, but I've heard that everything needs to be stateless. It's better. I was supposed to learn Elixir. When I left CodeFund, I joined another company for a little bit. And they were starting to work on some new Elixir products. And I got a bunch of books and I started to read them, but I left the company too quickly to like ever get into the actual Elixir stuff. But it looked cool from what I saw. I don't know. I'm I'm interested in it, but I don't have any problems that I need to solve with Elixir. And I've had experiences where people want to reach for Elixir as a way, way too early optimization. And that's kind of turned me off to it. Not in the sense of it's turned me off to the language, whether I think it's bad or something. It's turned me off to people thinking that it's the right solution because I've just had so many people try to suggest that it is the right solution when it hasn't been. So I don't know. I'm interested in it. I don't need it right now. I think it's a cool language and I definitely would reach for it if I needed something like that. But that's just not what I'm building right now. Let's take a second to thank our sponsor, Honey Badger. Recording errors in production apps is a lot more than recording just the error itself. Need the context that goes along with it. That's why Honey Badger includes everything you need to know with each error. So Honey Badger records, of course, the error, the backtrace, the cookies, the session, and all that information. But they also include a bunch of other really useful things like which user saw the error and how many times they have seen it. So if you have a user trying the same thing over 15 times, you know, hey, you should probably reach out to that customer and let them know, hey, we're working on it and we're going to have this fixed very shortly. The other thing that's really cool about Honey Badger is the breadcrumbs. They automatically record client-side and server-side breadcrumbs for you so you can see all of the steps that a user took before the error occurred. This is really, really useful, especially in integrations where you have maybe the user doing something on the client side that triggers some JavaScript that goes and asks for something from the server. And then that response comes back and then it triggers a JavaScript error. You have several things going on there and you can see all of those steps that were taken with the breadcrumbs and honey badger. It helps you reproduce it. You can also see the entire process that the user took, which you may not be able to guess sometimes. Users can do some strange things and it's really nice to be able to see those breadcrumbs in Honey Badger. Plus, they support everything from Ruby to JavaScript, PHP, Elixir, Go, and even Crystal. So that means no matter what you're running, whether it's client-side or server-side, you can keep track of all of that in one place. Check them out at honeybadger.io and let them know that you heard about them on Remote Ruby. Yeah, right now I have no real like use for it, but I just, I keep an eye on it. I know we're talking a lot about like LiveView being stateful, but I've always been interested in like the immutability aspect of functional programming. That was really interesting to kind of like reason through and think about coming from such an object-oriented space. A real buzzkill. I don't have like 
anything life-breaking, life-changing to share about it. But I just, I want to learn more about it. I at least understand more now, like how they can do it, even though I don't understand the implementation of it. Well, maybe we can find a live view expert out there and get them to come explain to us. But other than that, I've just been writing Ruby. We talked about Parcel last time I was on, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I have literally nothing new to talk about. (laughs) We're about to have tons of new stuff, though. It's a lull right now that you and I are about to be filled with content. Started shutting down Hope Grid. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? If you don't mind me asking. You are more than welcome to ask. We built that product without ever validating it, like that it was a need. And so after three years of trying hard to get people to use it, it makes some money, but it's something that could sustain it. Learned how to write an email and start exporting data for people. So that's been fun. (laughs) Maybe you can teach me this email thing. RubyConf heard about it. So you're going to dump them all their data and just clean wipe the whole thing? If they ask for it, yeah. Yeah, nice. Do you have a deadline when you're not going to do that anymore? Yeah, today's November 5th. December 1st is the deadline. And since I don't think any of those people would listen to this, I'll I'll keep it around a little while because I'm sure someone will be like, oh, I missed the email. But before the end of the year, I'd like to just close everything down, especially for the new tax year. Yeah, and I'm sure you can just December 1st snapshot the database one more time and keep that copy around locally or something and just shut everything else down. Maybe I have a lot of the is that even, data. I was to say, is that even a good idea? Uh, I don't even think that's a good idea anymore. Well, Rather just get rid of it. I thought about that. Could I snapshot it? But I'd have to keep all the keys around and stuff too to be able to like bring it back up to get that data out. It's not like millions of records or anything. I thought about just also like writing a thing to export a shit ton of CSVs and just encrypting like a zip file in case I need it to give to someone. But You could also have a, an unexpected data leak. Oh, God. And back it up open source. I don't know like enough about the new California laws. I know a little bit about them. And from what I know, I just, at this point, I just don't want any, like, I just, as soon as I can get rid of it, I just, I want it gone. I don't want to keep anything. Yeah. Makes sense. And especially if you got encrypted stuff, then get rid of it. It's not going to be easy to restore from or whatever. And you gave them their deadline. If they waited too long, it's it's on them. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, you can send like for. another, you can send one last email and be like, hey, reminder, call. tomorrow's the last day. On the day of deletion, you can send them a GIF of something exploding and as your farewell. I like that idea. Sign it too. Just really go out the bang. Oh, nice. <laughs> Nice. I liked it. So what else is going on in the Ruby world? I saw yesterday that Andrew Hodson had got his first notification set through um, Notice for iOS, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's really cool. Get a little demo of the hauling buddies that sends a notification through Jumpstart Pro Rails side of things through the Apple push notification service and then showed up on his phone and it was pretty sweet to see We've been working on getting all that documented and cleaned up and stuff. So I'm going to cut a new release of the Notice Gem for that. And then we're working on the Android version, which is exciting. We'll see. There's quite a few differences in that apparently like the path configuration paths that you're used to in Rails, like slash whatever, 
for routes, but apparently on Android, they have to be a full for like a URI. So like turbo colon slash slash, and then your path. So they don't have to have a domain, but they have to have like a scheme and stuff. So they're parsable. We ended up changing it so that like there's two separate path configurations for iOS and Android and stuff. So apparently some more nuances with all that, but here we are November 5th. Maybe Strata will come out before the end of the year, but we'll see. DHH squeezed it in right before Christmas uh, last year with Hotwire's release. So never know, but I'm curious to see if we get any of that stuff in the future, but we're making some progress without it. And it's looking pretty nice. Been pretty happy with it. But then I guess the other thing is, I don't know if it's anything that I really do in my apps, but do you guys ever like redirect to an external URL? Yeah. So that's changed in Rails 7. That'll be like unsafe or whatever. And you'll have oh, to pass a flag to, to be explicit there, which is nice. And that was like part of the stuff that Casper and I were talking about last week and stuff. And he finally settled on a name that he liked, which was basically URL from as the method that Rails will now have that you can use to run any URL through the like safety check of basically saying, is it a local request or a request to the same domain? And then it works kind of like presence. So it'll return nil if it's not safe. And then you can chain on like URL from params redirect to or something or the root URL is a fallback. I guess you got that merged in yesterday. And then if you try to redirect to uh, an unsafe URL, basically on some external domain, then it'll now raise an action controller unsafe redirect error, which I was co-author on that commit, which is cool. Because it used to just be an argument error with the original implementation. I was like, how are we going to tell the difference between this and some other method call that missed an argument or something? So Casper got that merged in yesterday. Pretty cool. I think those are going to be nice other safety checks because I don't know if you guys use Brakeman, but I don't know how many times I've seen the unsafe redirect error or message on Brakeman that is like exactly what this addresses. So now hopefully the new version of Brakeman can see you're on Rails 7. So we can let Rails take care of that or whatever, which will be nice. And Brakeman just got updated. Yeah. What was the update on all that? I saw it. I did not read all the details either, but... Brakeman is great. Uh, 5.1.2 came out a couple days ago, like a week ago. 5.1. Huge release. Performance. Formatting. GitHub Actions formatting. That's nice. Oh, that is really nice. Because GitHub Actions requires a specific format in order to return to their checks API. Uh, Show up like in line in the code. Yeah. Here's what I think should be a thing. All right. It's 2021. When I create a new Rails app, I think in production RB, force SSL should be true by default. Right now, it's commented out. Can you go ahead and make that PR? I could see that as the default. I think that would make sense. It's one of those where hopefully it never even gets to Rails as non SSL, like Nginx or Caddy or. Apache or whatever you're using as your web server should probably be the one doing that. Here's where I ran into this. We have typically maintained our own architecture at work. 
and we've started to switch a few things to Roku. One of the apps that we deployed to Roku, for some reason, the SSL was there, but then it wasn't. I would load the site and for some reason, the SSL wasn't there. And what we ended up having to do is that force SSL was not true or it was commented out. So by turning that to true, it fixed it. But like previously, our architecture had handled it so that by the time it even got there, it was going to be SSL. But with the Heroku, somehow it to be non-SSL. And because I think by default, the Heroku like URLs they give you are not SSL configured. So it made it to the Rails app as non-SSL. And because config for SSL was not true, it allowed it to be an unsafe request. And I don't know. I just feel like that should be true by default because it's true by default in like Cloudflare, I'm pretty sure. And I don't know. I just think by now, everyone should be using SSL. It's 2021. I'm pretty sure that's a pretty safe standard to hold people to. And I think Rails should have it on by default in production. I think that's fair. I mean, browsers and stuff are starting to enforce SSL or at least use it by default and whatnot. So... I think you can't even go to a non-secured one in Safari sometimes. Like it'll just throw an error. You have to allow it. With Let's Encrypt, you know, making SSL commoditized, it makes sense. I don't really even want to ever use a website if they don't have. I don't, and especially not checking out or putting any information into one. I can't think of a site these days at all that wouldn't use it. So it seems fair. I don't know. There's probably some old devices and other stuff that you have to deal with. That's always an issue. Let's Encrypt's root certificate, the CA cert, recently in September was like expired. And it was like, I don't remember, five years old or something. It wasn't that long. But anyway, it's like all of these older devices or Ubuntu servers or whatever that didn't have the new CA cert just stopped trusting every Let's Encrypt certificate. So... There's probably an enormous amount of legacy stuff that makes that hard to change for everything to be on SSL as a requirement. I feel like you should have to opt out of it versus opting into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, tough, it's, it's tough like, to figure it out like in the moment of like, why is SSL not on this page? But then I hit this redirect and now it's here. This makes no sense. You want to opt out of SSL. That's like a security decision that I feel like you're going to have to make as a team. But I feel like you should be on my default. That's my pitch. It seems like a good idea. And probably things will change to that going forward. Yeah. I know like on on Hatchbox, because we're provisioning your own servers, I've made a little subdomain like Heroku that links to your server for convenience. Because if we didn't have that, then... If you have two apps on the same server, we can't tell Nginx which one to run. But I also don't want to put my own SSL cert on every customer's server right. and try and update that every three months when it expires. Right. So for us, at least for now, we've not done SSL for those domains. And those get really weird when you're like, what do you mean? My app is not running, but there's no errors. Everything's fine. And then you like check the network logs and it's like, well, I went to the domain, redirected to SSL, and then SSL is not actually being listened to. And then you're like, oh, okay. So in those cases, I don't know, maybe I think you can get an exception with Let's Encrypt to like be a platform or something and they'll let you register a lot more domains or whatever certs for a domain. But then 
The other option, I guess, too, is like just create a local certificate or something that's not trusted. And at least you can respond to SSL and they'll still get an error message, but at least that would work if you accept it. It's not a trusted CA cert or whatever. Yeah. Easy to issue yourself local cert to do this, to run SSL locally. I've done it before. Yeah. It's not bad locally, but then if you do it on a server with the cert, then you got to also install it on every dev machine. And it's fine if it's like on your local machine to your local machine, but it gets more tricky if you do a server and have to add that cert to localhost and all your other devs. I'm sure there's a lot of weird like abuse stuff on Let's Encrypt, but like they can kind of just issue as many certs as they want. So everybody should be able to support SSL. And I think our new setup with the new version of Patchbox will, will automatically create SSL for those as long as our limit's fine on there because we're using Caddy and Caddy does all of that seamlessly. Because the crappy part has been the renewals. Because right. the cert bot, like Python stuff, <laughs> has been broken. And then they hadn't updated their Ubuntu packages because they had no maintainer. But someone wrote those packages in the first place. So I don't know if that person left or whatever. Yeah, every three months when your cert doesn't renew, people aren't happy. <laughs> and it's, well, I'm sorry, but they wrote buggy code. and I can't trust any libraries now, ever. They're always broken. Right. But again, that's like on you. Again, I feel like that's on like the platform or that you're using or the architecture that you are running to be able to like handle that. And I, as the person who just wants my app there, we are a month away from 2022. So I feel like SSL should be on default. I agree. Then you look around at the world and you're like, well, things are not as progressive <laughs> as... We are resetting. We're evolving, but backwards. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we should force non-SSL should be true. Maybe that's what we need to add to Rails. Yeah. What else is new? I think Jason and I are just getting ready to fly out to Denver and hopefully we will run into some podcast listeners. You better record a podcast while you're out there. I got got, something to listen to at home. I've got my keys ready to jangle. I'll be repping. Yeah, deep cut. Yeah, I should hire somebody off off Craigslist or something to like go mess with the podcast recording. Please do so that I can be entertained. Jason, are you nervous? About what? Exactly. Someone asked me if I was nervous. I was like, about what? I mean, we're doing that live recording in front of people. Uh, I don't know. I'm not nervous. It's my ADHD superpower. I used to be terrified of that stuff. I mean, I took public speaking online in college. so I didn't even take it. I'm not too nervous now, though. It'll be fun. I just more am excited to sit down and talk with everyone. Yeah, I think the same. And there's some great talks happening. So we'll come back with plenty of notes and have content for years. If you're looking you for a job, have... we're hiring at Podia. Oh, I was going to say, do you guys have uh, any talks that you're really excited about seeing? I'll just tell you mine. I don't even know what the talks are about. I'm excited to see Nicholas Means. Actually, I do know. He's going to be a talk on the 737 Max and all his talks, like where he tells stories and draws like conclusions from them are in parallels or phenomenal. So I'm excited about that. Oh, cool. Uh, 737 Max is uh, the very future Apple chip, right? Uh, if it's anything like the airplane, let's hope not. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll find the guy who's got a submarine with Ruby on it. Oh my God, that is so sick. We got to get him on the podcast. So the talks that I want to see are 
Gemma is giving a talk on achieving fast method metaprogramming with like some lessons from MemoWise. That sounds super cool. Compiling Ruby to native code with Sorbet and LLVM sounds super cool. We've got tons of our friends giving talks. Like Nick is giving a talk on Ruby archaeology and Yailene's got a talk and all sorts of great talks. So I'm also really interested in how they see bars in Ruby 3.1, which is Eileen's talk. Jason Sweat's giving a workshop on Docker the first day. That'll be cool. Brandon Weaver always gives great talks. Yeah, 737 one look good. There's one on controlling drones with Ruby. I really want to go see that. That sounds so cool. Are there any new shit talks? There is <laughs> by the creator whose name I cannot pronounce. Joel Hawksley's got a Linter's talk. That's yeah. right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I want to go see that. I do too. I really dislike the way they set Ooh. up the schedule because there's so many really great talks like clumped together, I feel like on the third day. Koichi's got one on the new debug gem. That'll be yeah, a good one. I want to see that too. There's so many I want to see. I'm excited to see it, that and what you can do with it because that's already been changed as the new default debugging gem in Rails 7. So something new to learn and get used to, but I think it'll be good. It'll be better than my binding IRB. Right. And then on Monday, first day at two o'clock, Ruby podcast panel and recording. Jason and I will be there. This podcast will go out after that, but we'll be there. <laughs> I was surprised to see that on the schedule. I also never realized the first day is really just a workshop day. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Things are a little bit different this year. Do you you want to go to a Denver Nuggets game Monday night? I would definitely go to a Denver Nuggets game Monday night. Oh, hell yeah. All right. See you there. All right. Yeah. Give me the deeds. (laughs) All right. I might go to the Phoenix Suns game tomorrow, actually. Cool. And this one. There'll be two. Great. It's a big year for you. It is a big year for me. I'm having a glow up. I told you. I'll see you Sunday. Chris, I'll see you next week. And everyone else, I'll see you. When I see you. Well, I'll see you. Yeah. Bye.